America. My name is Amir Sifram Prong. I come to you live every Thursday about this time. And today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the job at economy, but I'm going to start with a few different stories just as people file in because I think it's important and I'm trying to kind of work this out on my own. First things first, um, Jim Gandolfini is the guy who played Tony Soprano in The Sopranos. And there's a Soprano prequel movie coming out, which I think is uh, it looked, I saw the trailer. It looks pretty good, and it looks interesting. And so, and Tony, uh, James Gandolfini's son, Michael, is playing young Tony Soprano. And so, I went to look at, uh, you know, the the circumstances of Gandolfini's dead uh, uh, death, and Gandolfini died at 51, a little bit too young. Um, now that I'm closer to 50 than I am to, you know, a lot of other things. Um, I'm closer to 50 than I am to 30, so, you know, uh, the, uh, but he was overweight and I'm svelte, so I'm hoping that will, after this, I'll go eat some spinach and hope for the best. But the interesting thing about James Gandolfini's death, for at least our purposes here, are the uh, circumstances of his will. Right, so he gives his assistant $200,000, he gives his friend $50,000, he gives his niece $500,000, gives his other niece $500,000. Maybe he doesn't have any nephews, that's fine. Uh, he gives his godson $100,000, his friend $200,000, and another friend $50,000. And then of the rest, he's worth like millions and millions, right? 30% um, goes to his sister, another 30% goes to his sister, his other sister, 20% um, goes to his wife, and another 20% goes to his daughter, right? And so what do, you, what do you get from that distribution? No mention of his son. You know what his son gets? His clothes and his jewelry. So the guy's worth like millions upon millions of dollars, and the daughter's get millions upon millions of dollars. He was worth about estimated $70 million. And so, but his son got his clothes and his jewelry. Um, so what does that mean? His clothes and his jewelry. And I, I'm, I'm trying to get the exact, I want to, I'm looking at the screen, I'm trying to, I'm going to get a screenshot of the exact number. I'll get it while I hit the, um, the, the opening. I, I just, I just find that amusing, not amusing, but just interesting. And now the son is playing Tony Soprano in the movie. So the idea is that the son will now get money for going to work while the daughters will just get like cash. And we have to think about what that means. And maybe there's a, a, a deeper story or maybe there's a shallower story to what's going on. I just think the distribution is because like his daughter gets paid, his wife gets paid, daughter gets 20%, wife gets 20%, his sisters get paid. I don't know if he has any brothers. I can probably find that out. Um, but his sisters all get 30% each and his son only gets clothes and jewelry. So, you know, we have a lot of things to say about sexism and patriarchy and things that are bad, but like there are perks to that kind of paternalism. 
um, where like you take care of the women in your life. And if you're a woman, it's nice to be taken care of. Right? So you have to ask yourself, I'm looking up if he has any brothers. We just know that he has uh, at least two sisters and the sisters are getting paid or got paid. They got 30% of uh, an estimated $70 million. So, you know, I just want you to kind of just think about that. We have a lot of stories we tell about how all of this works. And, and not a lot of those stories are actually true because we don't talk about family wealth very much. And that's going to be the, the, um, the, the crux of the main show I'm going to hit after the beat. But yeah, go ahead and look up James Gandolfini's um, will and that distribution. And maybe it's appropriate. Maybe the son is going to make more off of being young Tony Soprano and living off his father's legacy and likeness than he will, will of like a, just a straight payout. But I think there's something kind of a deeper story about how money actually moves across family lines um, there than what I'm saying. And look, people ask me what I'm doing with this show, and I'll be honest. Like, with this show, I give you kind of a way to think about your life and political world every week. And if you're responsible, you go on www.funkyacademic.com and kick in $5, $15, or $50 a month for me to keep doing this. I gave you two shows today, one earlier on, on arguments. And um, the idea is that I do this for a while. It's kind of like my side job. And then my kids are right now eight, six, and four. And I talk to them pretty much like I talk to you. So in 10 years, my 18-year-old's going to be able to do the quality of analysis that I, I give to you every week. You're going to probably see her more and more <laughs> on the channel. And then when she's 22 or whatever, instead of waiting tables for summers, she's going to be doing, she's going to be your funky academic because like I'm training her pretty well and how to do this. Right. So all th I have three, my, I have three kids, right? So all three of them are going to get the quality of like all three of them. I talk to you, them like I talk to you. So they're actually going to be well-trained and you know, I think about this with respect to rearing them. And so far as like, I'm going to encourage them to do drama. I'm going to encourage them to do speech and debate because one of their side gigs, when they get older, it might be on this channel um you know speaking to you and so like and like so i grow this audience and then i bequeath it onto them and this is going to be the family business and i think that's kind of a responsible way to to, to do the family business so you should not only send this video out to all of your friends but you know go and kick in 5 15 50 a month has subscribe tell your friends to subscribe hit the little bell to get the notice and then your kids will end up watching my kids and everyone and they'll be talking about the issues of the day but in a kind of a deeper way and um you know when i stroke out or have a heart attack black men do not live um a ton this will be my kids source of income or at least one of them as they go on just like this is one of my sources of income and this will be the legacy I live to them. I already have all the passwords written out in a Google Doc that I've shared to my wife. And I, I, I think that's kind of a responsible way to think of legacy businesses. So the Funky Academic is a family business. And I think that's appropriate. For the most part, I, I think that's fully appropriate. And um, with that, I am going to talk about the job at Economy after I hit the beat. To the beach, yo. Ah, yeah. Sound good to me. 
never change the ways for the world or the government. If it was the president, then I would state facts. You leave it up to me, I paint the White House black and it can feature in your front. For the world or the government If it was the president Then I would state facts You leave it up to me I paint the White House Black and it can feature in your front And I'm back. So the job at economy, what am I talking about? I'm in Athens, Georgia right now. And Athens, Georgia is kind of a weird place. It's got a ton of nonprofits. It's a, it's a um, college town with a ton of nonprofits and big football scene because, you know, go dogs. University of Georgia. And... The political, the entire political economy of this, of the city is kind of depressed, mostly because of the university. But a lot of it's because you got a lot of plus one spouses with a lot of degrees and educated spouses who will work for pennies, um, in jobs that actually should take real money, right? So they depress the labor politics for everyone. So you got a lot of white women, um, with multiple degrees working low-paying, high-skilled jobs without benefits and they aren't organizing for high wages because the wages are supplemental to their spouse's wages who make like actual money, right? So they turn jobs into jobettes in a way that screws up the way we talk about jobs. And I'm very, I think it's very important to talk about jobs and necessity and how they should get paid. So all the, and like, and I'm not just talking about teachers, although we're talking about a lot of teachers. These teachers and jobettes and like the whole like public education system full of white women who don't have to be serious about money or like labor and they just do it because they feel good. No, they don't do, like you shouldn't do a job because it feel good. You should do a job because it gets paid. You get paid. If, if, if you also feel good doing the job, that's fine. Um, you shouldn't necessarily feel bad doing the job in terms of like you're degrading society, but like it's not about the job being enjoyable. It's about the job being fairly compensated with money and all of these white women doing jobs under cost uh, because they could depend on money coming from a spouse or a father or something like that is actually screwing up the way we talk about jobs in general, right? So the job at economy is actually screwing up the way we talk about jobs. And uh, like, there's a way, a real way in which the Betty Friedan class, you know, the housewife class with a bunch of degrees who goes into the workforce and takes a low paying job actually screws up the way we should talk about how that job doesn't necessarily require a ton of degrees and should get paid more, right? So you have people like advertising, I want a master's, um, they're pretty much advertising job ads. I want a master's level, uh, you know, person who's willing to do this job for $11 or $14 an hour for 20 hours a week. So pretty much you're asking for someone's wife. Right. And that screws up the, uh, the, the ability of someone who doesn't have a master's to get that job. And it screws up the ability for someone who actually needs like a real wage to get that job. Right. So the job at economy actually is a problem for the way we talk about jobs and labor. And it's not just a gender thing because the white wives who take these jobs don't just screw it up for other women. They screw it up for anyone I mean, when you're advertising for a job at pretty much you're advertising for an, uh, like an, an overqualified white woman who's just bored. Uh, and that's, that's a problem. And who needs supplemental money because the real money is going to come from, uh, you know, their husband's jobs. And there are entire industries that depend on hiring people 
who will have pensions and benefits from their husband's job. And that's, that's a problem with the way we talk about jobs. And you would think that like women would be the, on the forefront of organizing for uh, you know, better labor politics, but they aren't because, like I said, the white women, we're not honest about all of the different ways white women have access to money. Right, so we can, like, I was talking to my friend uh, last year and she was working, you know, a job, but her dad's rich and she's very pretty, right? She was 30 years old. She was working like a service industry job at, at, for $12 an hour and she's like, oh, I'm so poor. But she's very pretty and she, um, her dad's wealthy. And so what that means is, and what happened was as soon as she was done work, tired of working that service industry job once the pandemic hit, she like, Shacked up with a wealthy dude. So, um, uh, so I, and like anytime anything goes wrong, like her, her dad helps out. So that, that person is both poor, but we're not really, we're not really cognizant. Oh no, we're not really honest about the way money really moves. And it's not just two, two women and two, especially that class of white women. Um, uh, or, you know, the look of that wo uh, white woman, like, honestly, we're not really, we're not honest about that. And it wouldn't be a problem if it doesn't screw up the way we talk about jobs in general and the necessity for a good paying for everyone to have a good access to a good paying job. So when you have one class that's screwing up, um, the way we talk about jobs by being willing to take low paying jobs and being overqualified and not fighting for like a real labor politics and not really having a labor politics, then it screws it up for everybody um, like who needs a real job in a way that we're not really cognizant of talking about. And this isn't just like in education. This is, um, yeah, this is just, this is like in education. The, the job at economy screws up all sorts of nonprofit jobs, all administrative jobs, all jobs where people just assume that they could hire someone's wife. And that that someone's wife will end up like you don't have to pay them because their real money is going to come from or like 70% of the income is going to come from a spouse. And so you give them dignity, you give them shine, you give them a fancy title, you're not going to have to pay them because they'll get money from the engineer husband. And you could put that in, a, you can pretty much put that in a, in a job application uh, uh, and, and that will like give you the quality of candidate who will work for very little or will work for depressed wages while screwing it up for everybody else who needs like actual labor politics. So we need to talk about the job ed economy. We need to talk about how, I mean, depending on who you talk to, one of the reasons why wages have plateaued since the 70s is because of the women's liberation movement. We, you know, it was an influx of qualified women who weren't really, you know, astute in organizing, or let's be honest, didn't have to because their husbands, if they're white, like made more, right? So black women have always worked. This, this, uh, this, this, doesn't, this argument doesn't, isn't really about them. This is about the white women who got shunted into the economy, but still got the other stream of husband that came, uh, the other stream, the other stream of income that came from their husband and so it just depressed the way we talked about work. Um, and that is the job at economy. It's your, it's your, it's your white teachers. It's your, it's your white supplemental uh, income, uh, lady income.
that only ever needed to supplement was never actually designed to be like a primary income for the family. And um, it screws it up for those people who need all jobs to be as if they are primary incomes for the family. So the job at income actually has, has consequences, social consequences that we're not really honest about. And uh, unlike in Athens, you see it just kind of depressed the entire town the entire time because workers know that they can get someone they can get some sort of like faculty spouse for a discounted rate and that screws up the way everyone talks about work and then you know the nonprofits too so thank you for your time and i will see you next week talking about something else